Hey everybody, I'm glad you could be here. I am your host of the Drunken UX Podcast. My name is officially Michael Feenan. I'm your other other host. My name is unofficially Aaron Hill. Well, but that raises an important question of what is it officially? Let's have the listeners write in and tell me. <laughs> That's a bad idea. That's how you end up with McDonald's hamburgers that are made out of nothing but lettuce. Folks, you're listening to the Drunken UX Podcast. This is episode number 46. We're going to be talking about coding boot camps and what they can do for you as a developer or as somebody looking to change careers or all kinds of things. Uh, if you enjoy this episode, if you enjoyed the last episode, if you enjoy the next episode, I don't really care. Just make sure to stop by our kind sponsors over at porkbun.com. Porkbun! If you uh, run by their website, check them out. If you're interested in getting a .design domain name for free for an entire year, just use the coupon code DRUNKENUX when you check out, and you get free stuff, and I like free stuff. Uh, if you can't remember that, if you're in your car doing whatever, uh, in, we've got a link in the show notes too, and that makes it even easier. So go <laughs> check them out. It's a very kind thing to do because they are supporting the show, and we enjoy knowing that we can be here for you. Be sure to also connect with us on Twitter and Facebook.com slash DrunkenUX and on Instagrams.com slash podcast. And the link works again. It did <laughs> not work before. DrunkenUX.com slash Slack. If you want to come and connect with us on there and tell me what my name is officially. I fixed it. It's, not, it. it's not mud. I fixed it. I fixed it. <laughs> I made it. I mean, I guess. So when Slack says, hey, this link doesn't expire, that's a lie. <laughs> It does. I don't know after how long, but it does expire, apparently. Like so, a year. <laughs> uh, yeah, apparently after a year or so. But uh, yeah, uh, let's see. I am drinking this evening, uh, Aaron, and I know that will be a shock to you and everybody at home. Not drinking scotch. I am drinking whiskey. Uh, hmm. Using my fancy little tilted ice glass. Uh, oh, Maker's wait. 46. Hold that to the camera. Well, it's, it, the ice is now starting to slide yeah. down, so it's less... Uh, now That's it just so looks cool. like a... Bad ice cube. <laughs> <laughs> I've got um, I've got some. I had bought a case of this from uh, a BJ's membership. Well, some Blue Moon. I've got a uh, got some Blue Moon tonight. It spilled like a third of the bottle on my desk and narrowly missed shorting out my whole computer when like dripped off the back onto my onto, onto my surge protector. Um, it's all right. So, we'll get you next time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> folks, we've got. Not one, but two guests joining us this evening for the Drunken UX podcast. Uh, we brought in a couple folks that we said we're talking about boot camps, and um, I'm currently in a boot camp. I know Aaron does some work with other boot camps, but we also wanted to get some other perspectives. So we've brought in Meg Gutschel. Meg is a current boot camper. She is a companionship enthusiast and, quite frankly, an all-around badass. And then we also have <laughs> Alicia Barrett who is a bootcamp grad and is currently working as a support engineer, and she's also a writer and conference speaker. Uh, wow. Ladies, thanks for joining us. Uh, let's start <laughs> off by telling all the kind people what you're drinking with us. <laughs> I, Meg, am drinking uh, Sam Adams Oktoberfest. Oh, I nice. sent a message to you two earlier, <laughs> letting you know it's cooling in the fridge. <laughs> well prepared. <laughs> what have you got, Alicia? 
Um, I have some deer pop water. Nice. Hey, that says 100% natural spring water. I always run with my <laughs> water bottle next to me as well. Uh, especially <laughs> depending on what I'm drinking. Now, the Maker's is all right, but uh, martinis and stuff, they I, I need oh, something yeah. to buffer them. So I still remember that episode we did with Greg Pudanovich where like, I there was like a five minute period when I was just completely zoned out. <laughs> it was I forget what I was drinking, but I was gonna send somebody to give you CPR, and then I thought better of it. <laughs> so here's the deal, folks. We've talked a lot over the last uh, two years about different educational opportunities and different ways to go about getting into our industry, and how important it is to kind of chase what you want and not worry about the different ways to get it, like find the way that's right for you. And that maybe comes back to, you know, finding courses online, picking up a book, watching YouTube videos, but boot camps play, I think, a really important role in our industry right now. And it was something that uh, we're all, I love this because we're all kind of at different steps in our journey. Uh, and so I'm really excited to kind of talk about how this helps all of us. Um, what we get out of it, what the challenges of it are, um, and what other people can think about as they get into this. So I'm going to start, Alicia, with you. Um, you have graduated from your boot camp. Uh, give us just like that sort of bite-sized snippet of, you know, what was your boot camp? Where was it? What did you learn? And, and how long cool. was it? Yeah, how long? Um, so my boot camp was six months long. I did a program that was part-time. so. It was on the uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays from like 6 to 9.30. Um, and then on Saturdays from, I think it was 10 to 2. Um, and in so person? This, in person. Yes. Yeah. And they, they did give you the option to like remote in, but only a certain number of times. And so this, this boot camp was put on by Trilogy uh, Education Services. It's hosted at Georgia Tech. Uh, here in Atlanta, um, and we covered uh, HTML, CSS, JavaScript, React, um, Express, and Node, and Mongo, and wow. MySQL, and it was all very fast. <laughs> um, <laughs> that will be a recurring theme in this discussion tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it was a whirlwind. And so I, I started the program, I think it was July 2017 and ended February 2018. Awesome. Yeah. And Meg, where did you go? Or are you going rather? Yes, I'm still a student. I did not foresee this when I started my boot camp, but life happens. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I am currently a student uh, at Flatiron School's online software engineering boot camp, and they have different tracks. I'm in the self-paced boot camp because um, I work a lot of <laughs> jobs, and I started in June of 2018. Um, the curriculum I've been learning, we learn Git, HTML, and CSS basics, um, 
SQL, Active Record, and we learned Ruby with the Sinatra and Rails framework. Nice. And I'm about to jump into JavaScript and we'll be learning um, React and Redux as well. And I'm so excited for that. That's awesome. Uh, what were the other questions? I forget. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, so you said you started in June of last year? Yes, 2018. And, yeah. and when, when will your program wrap up then? It's, so since it's self-paced, it's basically when I get done, I'd like to be done at the end of this year. Um, but what, what I've been doing is I don't really move on until I understand the topic, mm -hmm. until I feel comfortable with it. That's good. And I think that's why I've been held up. That's part of it. And also at the end of each section, they break them down into different sections. We have a project for the section and the projects I've reached a little further than I've had to, but they're so fun to do that it's just like, <laughs> yeah, I get a little carried away. Um, but regardless of where I am at the end of this year, I have to get a job because I will be scraping the bottom of the barrel. So <laughs> I'm just really hoping to at least be through React by the end of this year because I think that'll make me hireable in the mm -hmm. Philadelphia market. But Philadelphia doesn't really like Ruby for some reason. <laughs> so it's hard to find Rails jobs around here. It's, it's, they are, it seems to be that there's a bunch of different pockets around the country, but thankfully a lot of them are starting to trend towards offering remote work. So that's always an option if, if that's the direction you want to go in. But I, I agree that getting in on the JavaScript stuff would definitely make you more marketable. Yeah. And so that's two vantage points. And I've got a third that I'm going to throw in. Um, of course, I've been building websites since almost the dark ages not quite <laughs> the maybe medieval times when you when you started building websites you literally used the gutenberg press I, well it, <laughs> the bandwidth was terrible let me tell you i uh i am also in a boot camp right now as we are recording this um and so this is something i want to reinforce that you know this isn't always for getting into the industry it can be for learning new things as well so I'm, what I'm doing right now is uh, taking a JavaScript boot camp. It's a three-month program uh, that Zach Gordon hosts. Uh, it's a very nice compressed program. It's extremely affordable. It's good for somebody like me who does already work full-time in the industry but needs to kind of brush up on other things. So in this case, it's the JavaScript and WordPress uh uh, course specifically so it's going to get into a lot of the react stuff with gutenberg and the wordpress api and how to build stuff for that um since we've got a lot of that in our infrastructure and could i learn it on my own yeah but i also really like having somebody to check my work a little bit you know and and as we talk about this i'm going to kind of get into some of that too this idea that you know everybody learns differently and stuff but there's a lot of value to being next to people who are doing what you're doing and having somebody who can look mm. at what you've done and actually just tell you, yeah, that's good, but if you do it this way, maybe it's a little bit better. <laughs> My, I actually did a uh, a week-long boot camp 
about eight years ago down in Atlanta at the Big Nerd Ranch. Have you have you heard of that, Alicia? Yeah, I yeah. have. Big Nerd Ranch? Yeah, it's it was fun. It's not nearly as comprehensive as the boot camps both of you are doing. We we were just doing Rails. Uh, I think they also have like iOS and Cocoa and some other like contemporary, mainly Mac oriented ones. But um, it was like uh, two days of like just Ruby and then five days of um, of like Rails. And uh, I think CB Quinn was our was our instructor. It was really cool. I, I learned a lot. Um, Although it was difficult to like take what I learned and like immediately apply it to my job. Like I had all this knowledge in my head and I really like, wanted to use it right away, but like I couldn't. <laughs> it's tough, right? Because everybody kind of alluded to the same thing. Like there, there's a lot. There's a reason we call them boot camps, right? <laughs> that you are getting immersed into something very quickly. I, I made a joke earlier uh, in the program I'm taking now. I've got some JavaScript experience, um, more than most people. So the the start of this has been very kind of like, I know this, I'm just getting through the exercises. But as we've jumped into week three and they progressed to now, okay, you're going to do this project and build this stuff. I likened it to uh, how to draw an owl. First draw a circle, (laughs) then draw the rest of the owl. And it was like, (laughs) oh, so we really are getting right into this. (laughs) That's why these are phrased that way, and and you can call them whatever you want to in terms of programs. You know, some of them are hosted at universities, some of them are done at independent schools, some of them are done by individuals. But this idea of them being a boot camp is designed to reflect the fact that you are going to go intensive very quickly and cover a lot of ground because they're designed to get you turnkey so that you can get into your industry and start making money afterwards. Um, and it's one of the reasons why colleges are lagging behind, I think, in this idea, mm. because colleges even, you know, let's not talk about community college necessarily, but like a university level program is designed to keep you there for four years. And when I think about what has changed in the industry since 2015, holy crap. Yeah. that That's a huge amount of ground to cover. And because a lot of these programs... A, emphasize computer science over programming, which I think mm. is an important distinction. Computer science is a very academic approach to you know how you think about logic and how you think about systems and things like that, as opposed to writing code and learning conventions and, and object-oriented processes and things like that. Um, and then universities tend, and this isn't a knock. I've worked at universities. I respect people at universities. I would love to teach at one someday. But the reality is a lot of professors that get in that are teaching some of these programs, they're teaching courses on things that now have tools that never existed when they were professionals yeah. in the field. You know, when you start thinking about, you know, tools like uh, Webpack and Parcel, if you're looking at you know, Gulp, Grunt, Yarn, NPM, all of this stuff, all these build tools that we have now, all these tool change, all of these resources, a lot of those didn't exist for these guys when they got their PhDs back in 1984. <laughs> and even the difference between things like GitHub and, let's say, SVN. Mm-hmm. SVN, similar idea, but very different tool set. And if that's what you're getting taught, that's a little problematic because most places are using Git at this point and variations thereof. So 
that's one reason why boot camps cropped up because they said, you know what, universities can't produce a worker that has the skill set and the experience. We need to hire them. I I had an interview at a local company, and I didn't have my portfolio site up, so I just I just brought my laptop and I showed them some projects that I. <laughs> I'm cheering. Mike, Mike I'm, is Mike is cheering. I'm cheering on my video. <laughs> I just brought my laptop and I showed them a project that I had just finished and. Uh, at the end of the interview, the gentleman who'd asked me to come in, I spoke with him and he said, you know, I'm just really impressed that you brought in something and showed it to us. Like, we've had college grads that come in here and don't have anything to show yeah. us, mm-hmm. don't have any projects. And that's like, I I don't know why they don't build something like that into a college curriculum. That's a lot more than a boot camp. I think Michael and I know why. <laughs> there, there, yeah, there are a lot of reasons why that's true. Um, they're all unfortunate. I think universities could fix it, but it requires logistical changes to the system that they aren't prepared for. Um no. And it's great, like, Alicia, you mentioned your program was done uh, in coordination with Georgia Tech through their uh, learning partner. That's where I think a lot of this is going to end up Mm. kind of going, because it allows a school to offer that program, but also not have to think about it from an accreditation standpoint. Mm -hmm. That's a really interesting scenario, and I... Just to hop off of what you said, Meg, um, I had an interview earlier this week, and um, my interviewer actually asked me about heaps and stacks and how, yes, and how, what are the, like, the pros and cons of them, (laughs) of using them? (laughs) What kind of job was it? This was a junior software engineer role. What was the language? Was so it they Ruby? Were using, or? Like, no, they were using oh. .NET and oh. Uh, oh. Okay. Other, something else. I don't remember. But okay. <laughs> Aaron and I are both I, like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, um, so that interview wasn't a great experience because I didn't know the answers to those things. And I was like, really? Like, <laughs> that I need to know? And, but I don't know. And it's, it, it is tough. And it's something that uh, I think, though, you get experience in very quickly, at least you know through the boot camp process. You get out there and you're doing those interviews very fast. You know, if you're in a university and you're four years into it, maybe you get an internship in your third year or something along those lines, um, which I think is also incredibly beneficial in those cases. But um, if you're four years into an academic program before you've gotten in front of somebody or been asked to whiteboard mm. a problem. Um, or something along those lines like those are challenges that if you're not ready for them like I've never I've never had to interview for a job where I was asked to whiteboard something uh Mm. my first jobs that just was never even a thing that existed at that point um and I've been at my current company for seven years now so obviously that uh, when I'm whiteboarding I'm actually whiteboarding but uh those techniques and I think that's 
one of the next kind of natural avenues for a boot camp in general too is to kind of prepare you for what some of that will be to, and and what's going to get asked of those things because they can do that very quickly. That's a good segue because I was going to ask, did they like did either of your boot camps give you interview coaching or anything beforehand as part of the curriculum? I don't think that there was interview coaching from what I remember, uh, but we did have like a career counselor. So that was someone who like helped connect us to, to opportunities. Mm -hmm. Basically to me that the career counselor sort of served as like a recruiter of sorts. (laughs) Like a reverse recruiter. (laughs) Yeah. A little bit. It was like, Hey, there's this opportunity. What do you think about it? Hmm. when they, when they would find an opportunity and if like hypothetically, if you said like, yeah, this looks interesting, would they then help you kind of strategize on how to approach, how to approach the employer or approach their recruiting department? Uh, n- no, at least at when I was in the program, it mm. wasn't that thorough. Okay. Um, and I think for me at the time the the program was very much lacking in that capacity in terms of like preparing you for the for interviewing. Okay. Um, so luckily I think what helped me was, was using some resources outside of the camp, like women code Atlanta, um, like those groups, other people have really helped me prepare for interviews <laughs> versus nice. the actual boot camp. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, college doesn't help much with that either. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could say that again. <laughs> At Flatiron, they actually have a really good support system that I've heard. I am not at that point yet where I've been. So each student gets assigned a career coach, and I haven't been assigned one yet. Um, From what I understand, it should happen like any day now. But they help you with... Um, going over your LinkedIn profile and your resume. They try to task you with going to this many meetups a month and making this many new connections a week. Mm -hmm. And from what I hear, some of them, like, (laughs) they give you a lot of stuff to do. And it's that on top of the work (laughs) you're doing with the actual... Uh, program and it's like okay um, I don't know if I can get all of this done (laughs) but I can't speak from experience it's just what I've heard from other students Hmm. we talked uh, several episodes back uh, about learning and and uh, some of the programs that are out there from you know Code Academy Udemy and all these things and Mm. why people go And, and one of the other reasons I see boot camps is you know, they give you a quick way to do a career pivot. And so if you are somebody who's older who is interested in learning how to become a software developer, uh, there's an article, and I'm going to have a link to it in the show notes, uh, from Kyle Thayer. It's over on Medium, and it's uh, what I learned from researching coding boot camps. And the whole article is amazing. Uh, he actually did a bunch of research and talked to uh, a couple dozen uh, boot camp graduates and got a bunch of information from them, you know, what their... Uh, career track was before and after and all of this the whole article is great go read it but there's it's opens with a quote that i want to read to you guys it's 
A year and a half ago, my wife Kristen was an English teacher. Now she's a full-time software engineer at Microsoft. Wow. And it it kind of underlines this thing that our industry is wide open for anybody willing to put in the work. And that's the thing about a boot camp is because it is so intensive and because you are going to do a ton of work in a short period of time, if it's something that interests you and, and that you think you can be good at, there's a lot of opportunity there to kind of latch into this and say, you know what, I've enjoyed, you know, selling houses for the last 10 years, but now I'd like to build tools to make that better for other people. Mm. And, you know, I've, I, I've edited our website forever and I think I couldn't handle this. And so if you want to take a boot camp and try to pivot, there's a huge opportunity there for that kind of stuff. And, and it's not limited. Uh, Kristen was an English teacher. Now she's a full-time software engineer at Microsoft. I was a theater major and I build websites. So <laughs> I, I get it. Like I understand that, uh, you know, that kind of what you know isn't necessarily what you have to do and, you know, in that way. What's interesting too is that these boot camps, to kind of go back to this idea of, you know, how colleges are trying to keep up and build some of these programs, boot camps as a thing, generally speaking, like semantically at a high level, didn't really exist until about 2012. There were programs, there were some of these hackathons and things that would crop up from time to time, but boot camp as a thing you could go to and learn how to be a web developer really caught on about seven years ago. And it's kind of been off to the races ever since then. That makes it a huge challenge because there's a lot of them out there. So finding good ones and finding one that's right for you is hard because everybody learns differently. Um, whether that's if you're if you're good at teaching yourself stuff, that's one thing. If you need to sit in a classroom with other human beings, that's something else. And find finding a program right for you, I think, is one of the hardest parts of this process. Um, Meg, I'd love to ask you because uh, Flatiron, I know, is a great school. Um, I think of it kind of in the same breath as schools like Full Sail, uh, in terms of like a, a they are they are a school but they have kind of specialized themselves and they know their mission. How did you come to the conclusion that you wanted to take the program at Full Sail? Yeah, what what you said definitely uh, resonated with me because when I did a lot of research when I was deciding about the boot camp I wanted to do, like I, I took a course through Coursera before I even... Um, decide to do boot camp because I was like well you know I'm not gonna go head first into this I'm gonna test the waters and the waters are really good so <laughs> I was like yeah okay let's do this so I'm located in the suburbs of Philadelphia and uh, I researched a whole bunch of different schools and there weren't too many um, close by at the time there was it came it ended up coming down to the New York Code and Design Academy that was located in the city and I could have done their full-time in-person boot camp that was three months or the Flatiron online and do that self-paced and work at the same time and the one thing that really 
had had me worried was I'm a very interactive learner. So I'm the kind of person that likes to be in a classroom with other human beings. <laughs> and I was just like, I don't know about this online stuff. Um, Cause I have taken an online class before through a community, the local community college and they use Blackboard. And but, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you don't get that interactivity. Flatiron uses Slack and Zoom, and they have the study groups. Their uh, section leads is what they call the teachers for each section that they have. will hold office hours and different study groups, and the um, leads for each project do as well. So I go to those, and it's like it was at first kind of weird but then you get used to it it's like you're right there right next to the person and the community in their slack is really strong i just <laughs> i got in there and just kept chattering away and talking and um i actually accidentally started like a hundred days of code cohort that ended up being like <laughs> 75 people strong nice yeah well I, i'm <laughs> last, familiar with 100 days of code yeah that's yeah, awesome last january i just on a whim i was like okay for my new year's resolution i'm gonna do 100 days of code who <laughs> wants to join me and people just kept joining on so i made a new <laughs> slack channel and we got so many people to join it was so fun awesome um so it can be an online school can be really interactive if you make it that way. And I've, I've talked with students as well who are like, I haven't used any of this stuff until now. Like I just been working, going through the lessons and, and it's just like such a, you, you lose out on so much by not using mm. your classmates. I call <laughs> I call my classmates my companions. <laughs> um, I'm going to trademark that. Don't steal it. <laughs> oh, just registered the domain dot design. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I'm like, hey, my companions, you got to use each other. Use your resources, you know? <laughs> so yeah, that's basically how I decided. I was like, you know, this school has a great reputation. Um, there are ways to be interactive. Yeah, that's kind of, and I'm glad I went with that decision because that code camp is gone. It's wiped off the face of the earth now, the other one. So, <laughs> yeah. And Alicia, how did you come to uh, the Georgia Tech program? My decision to enroll in that boot camp was due to like, I had recently moved to Atlanta. Um, I used to live in DC. And so I moved to Atlanta and my parents were in the area and I knew I wanted to um, make this career transition. I had taken some online courses and it just didn't really stick. And so it, at the time, just to like paint a full picture, I moved to Atlanta and I was living with my parents and I was also working 
full time. So I had the extra money to pay for boot camp, and and so it it just worked out for me in that way. Like that, logistically, it worked out <laughs> financially. I could afford it at the time, um, and so I decided to, to enroll in a boot camp because of that. How did you like? I I saw earlier um, you had written that you did the the one at Georgia Tech was three days a week. Um, how, how did you like having, or I guess like what, what do they do in class? Is it like a traditional classroom kind of thing or do you do a lot of pairing? Um, like how, how do they do, how do they do that? Yeah, I would say it, it's mostly a, it, traditional in the sense that class starts at like six o'clock. Uh, there's like a main teacher who will, who will basically sort of give a lecture and of course you can interrupt with questions then there's a break and there's another like time for lecture and then you have time to like in between there are pockets of working on exercises so um there's that and then at the end after 9 30 i think from like it's either 9 to 9 30 or 9 30 to 10 where they have like a little bit of office hours but by the by that time that late everyone's like <laughs> ready to go home no one's brain is actually ready <laughs> that's a long that's a long time to be at class four four hours is a I do some of my best time. coding at midnight I'm just saying <laughs> so a step one obviously research programs find something that's right for you if you are a good online learner fantastic find yourself an online program that's got a good slack channel uh, and and community and run with it. If you need to be in person, proximity may influence your decision uh, depending on where you are in that situation. What matters a lot in this discussion is taking the time to understand how you learn uh, and how you grow and choosing a program that reflects that process because only you know that. Everybody learns differently, and that's one of the reasons why I fight against you know, this idea that kids are like, well, I'm going to, I'm in school. I'm going to take all my classes online. No, you're not. <laughs> That's it's like working from home uh, because everybody, it sounds great, right? When you say, Oh, I work from home or, or, you know, I, I work <sighs> remotely or whatever. Yeah. That I'm like, it, try it. <laughs> it, it takes a very certain mental space and uh skill set to pull that off. And that's not to say that, that person is better or or anything than another person. It's just some people work better when they are in a work environment. Some people work better when they are at home, distraction free. And learning is the because learning is work. Learn, learning is paying somebody to have a job. <laughs> you're <laughs> you're paying somebody else to teach you, and that that effort that you're expelling is still very much work, and it will reflect. You know how. You can grow. So make sure you look into that. There's a website. I don't know a whole lot about it. So I'm going to caveat this before I say it. And cause somebody's going to come up and say, oh, don't don't use them. I don't know. Is uh, it ebombsworld.com? It, whoa. No. <laughs> this is this is off the rails before I've even started. And it's all Aaron's fault. And uh, you can thank him for that. No, it's coursereport.com. Uh, report? And what what I will do is uh, the reason I caveat this is because when you go to their site, they are they're they're an organization that provides hmm. information on coding boot camps. Now I don't know what their vested interest is in the industry. If they've got you know they may have 
uh, uh, interests in certain programs over others. I don't know, but they do have a lot of information and they've got a ton of reviews available that you can read on different, uh, some, especially like the established programs from uh, different places, things that kind of run regularly uh, and things like that. It's a starting place at the very least. Go there, look up programs, uh, look up things that are in person or remote, whatever. And, uh, you know, do you have three months? Do you have 18 months? Do you have... Do you have two thousand dollars? Do you have twenty thousand dollars? Like the the options are huge here. So find something that fits and and take that time. Don't do it impulsively. Don't don't think I've got five hundred bucks burning a hole in my pocket. I'm going to do this. Yeah, yeah. No, that's stress that. Don't do it impulsively. Yeah, it's an investment in time and money and energy. And and in yourself, it's you know it, when you take a boot camp. You're spending money on you and your future, and you want to get the most out of that you can. I mean, there is no better investment, not to get philosophical, but some warnings on that. When you do read about programs, don't take their numbers at face value. They're all because they all are going to say, well, we've got a 95% placement rate, and our graduates make $90,000 a year. Don't assume that's true, or at least don't, <laughs> don't assume it's representative. Caveat on that too. People who I know the some coding boot camps will have like quotes from graduates and stuff. Check to see like if they feature graduates who are like, Oh, I had such a great time and I started this job afterwards. See if they graduated from college with a computer science mm. degree. Because some people will go to a boot camp like that for the development aspect, and but already have that kind of a background. So they're going to have a leg up on someone that's coming from a completely different background. Yeah. And that's not included in their advertisement on their website, obviously. Hmm. That, yeah, and you know, a good way to kind of get around that is get on Twitter. Go, you know... Did you just recommend people go on Twitter intentionally? I mean, I still do. <laughs> I'm sure there are other <laughs> options, but you, you you, do you, boo. Uh, go on Twitter, go on Reddit, go on Counter Social, go on Facebook, if that's your thing. Go find somebody who has taken the program that you're looking at and, and ask them. Don't, don't ask the, the program, don't ask for references because that's yeah. you know the references are always <laughs> respective of the best i uh, want to see a program be like you know what we're not great you probably shouldn't spend your money on us <laughs> we're just meh <laughs> but go out and and ask around and send out some hashtags and and things LinkedIn. and find some folks go yeah linkedin fantastic yeah, people one. that have the the camp listed in their education and see where they're working now. Absolutely. Mm. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's that's a good good idea. Go ask them. Go find out. Because, again, that extra 30 minutes worth of research is going to be worth its weight in gold. Research the teachers. Uh, you know, that was one reason why I picked my program. I was familiar with Zach. I knew his work. I had taken some of his other stuff. So I knew, like, the, from a – I knew he knew his stuff. I knew he wasn't just some fly-by-night. Hmm. Go go figure out who's teaching your programs, you know, what their background is. 
do they do conference talks? Have they written anything? Have they, you know, been active on YouTube with tutorials? What, or are they somebody with no background that it's like, know that, because that's the thing, right? A boot camp should be taught by somebody that's a drill sergeant. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you want. That's what you should be looking for. That's the background that, that you should hope for in those situations. Uh, and find study groups. Ask them what their study group structure is like and how they do that and, and use those study groups because that is so important. When you are floundering, and you will, you need to know what the support system in the program is like. And that support system is generally, besides just the teacher and the GA or whoever is, is uh, the teaching assistant, whoever's involved, how do they facilitate students talking to each other and looking at each other's work? Uh, and and things like that. I don't know, uh, May. You said that you had uh, study groups involved with uh, Flatiron, Alicia. What was your uh, setup like there at Georgia Tech? Yeah. Uh, so there was a Slack channel. Um, they also have mentors or TAs that are there um, in class with you. And and before the course or the class starts every evening there's like 30 minutes before the class starts where a TA is available to talk about an assignment or anything like that. Um, there are also mentors available remotely. So mm. you can request to have a mentor and um, they'll assign you a mentor and help you out. Um, were they pretty responsive for your program? Yeah, they were. They were definitely responsive. The resources were, were there as long as you asked for it <laughs> you know i i it makes me think of like exorcism i i like exorcism a lot i think it's a uh, e-x-e-r-c-i-s-m dot i-o i'll throw not, a link to it in the show notes yeah for everybody. not uh, not like not exorcism like removing evil spirits from a person who's possessed i've had very successful versions of that too so it's okay <laughs> uh, uh exorcism is is cool it's not a boot camp it's just a learning system uh they have courses on all kinds of everything from JavaScript to Ruby to Python, PHP, whatever, but it's all self-guided. And they have a like a mentor review stage for your code, but because it's free and it's self-guided, I I like the program, but when I ran into some different things, I'm like I would lo- I would like somebody to look at what I wrote and tell me mm-hmm. if I'm doing it in the best way possible. I found that in that situation, like there, you know, cause it was free. You get what you pay for. I didn't have somebody just on tap that was going to answer my question, even though it is kind of part of that system. They're all volunteers and they may not be awake when I'm awake and whatever the case may be. So that, that support system I think is one of the most important parts of this process. Cause if mm-hmm. you're going to learn, you know, a, what is going to amount to a shit ton of information over, you know, 12 months, you need people there to help you along. Otherwise, you're going to lose two days of learning while you're waiting to get information. And that can that can really slow a person down. Uh, it's, it's like taking a summer class, right, in college when they say, you can't miss more than two days of class, and you laugh, and then you miss two days of class, and you realize... This is a Russian <laughs> class, and I, don't, I didn't... I signed up for Spanish. <laughs> On that note, I do like about... Flatiron uh, students can create their own study groups as well. So 
another student had approached me about trying out this idea she got from um, a Lambda school food camper at a local meetup. They do a daily stand-up meeting where they talk about what they're working on. And she's like, we don't do that here. We should like <laughs> try to do something like that maybe once a week. So we started this code talk series and it was like just people really liked it and we'd have students come and they could like talk about their something they're working on present it just to like practice talking about code and but after a while like people started not wanting to volunteer or not having anything to talk about so we started working on code challenges and it just facilitates working together and pairing up and thinking about things in different ways. And you build this community. So then when you're actually working on um, curriculum work, you can be like, Oh, I know so-and-so from code talk. Let's see if they're up and see if they're on <laughs> Slack. So it's really cool that you have that other way to like, virtually meet other classmates, even though you, you might not be, because there's definitely people I've met who have been way ahead of me in the curriculum, and they're nice enough to take some time out to help out with something. And like now I pass that along too, because it's like, you know, pay it forward type thing. And you know what I love about that is there is never a job that you're going to have where you don't have to collaborate with coworkers. And that entire process of I'm going to learn, I'm going to work with my mentors and my assistants and, and my peers and get feedback and ask questions and get information. And then once I'm better, I'm going to turn around and do that for other people. That, that process, that learning process and sharing process are that those may be almost as important as the actual hard development skills that you come out of a boot camp with because it's if you can't do that it makes it hard to be an employee and it makes it hard to be a manager of an employee like that that you know people need to be able to collaborate and listen and understand how to help people stop collaborate and listen stop collaborate and listen i was going to ask um Alicia do you keep in touch with anybody from your cohort since you've finished your boot camp um, a couple. So there's a couple folks who also became part of the like women who code Atlanta community. And really it's by through that I've stayed in contact with them. Okay. Cool. <laughs> but the majority of people I was in a large class. I think there were maybe like thirty to forty people. Oh. That's good size. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't keep in touch with a lot of them, just maybe like maybe five to 10 who are yeah. yeah. 40 people. I keep in touch with 10. That's only a quarter of the class. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I talked to three people I went to high school with. Come on. <laughs> so I want to go into the, the uncomfortable part of this talk because boot camps are great. I recommend them. I think they are a Great way to get into this industry and learn stuff and learn new skills. I don't care if you're new, if you've been in it for 20 years. But 
That doesn't mean they're perfect. And one of the first and foremost issues is the cost. And I said the phrase earlier, it's an investment in yourself. Uh, it's not an investment in yourself in the way university is, let's say. So, uh, and Alicia, I'm going to look over at you for a second because I actually uh, went to a school in Atlanta when I graduated high school for a brief period. Uh, the school and I were not a good fit, um, <laughs> but I went there. Um, Georgia Tech, as a university, not a cheap school. Uh, if you wanted a four-year bachelor degree from Georgia Tech, you're probably banking, what, I, and this may show my age, I don't know, 150 somewhere in there? Holy crap, really? Is that high, low? I don't know anymore. <laughs> well, he's out of state, too. Oh, yeah. Out of state makes it even higher. Uh mm. Sorry, Georgia Tech. I don't actually know what your tuition is, so I don't know. Uh, <laughs> boot camps are significantly cheaper, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're affordable for everybody. Um, and when I said earlier, you know, research programs and find one right for you, I think cost does come into that. Uh, the boot camp I'm taking is a three-month course. Uh, we do two classes a week with check-ins on Mondays and Fridays. Uh, it's $500. Very affordable. It's basically a college course, right? It's like a three-credit-hour college course, for lack of a better reference. But some of these programs, when you get into the 12-month, 18-month programs, 10000 15000 even $20,000 isn't unheard of. But that is also treating it much more like, say, an associate degree at that point. Or if, you, hmm. if uh, you're familiar with networking like CCIE, you know, getting the CCIE yeah. certification, like CC CCIE certification is basically a master's degree in Cisco equipment. Like it's, it is hardcore and it is an expensive certification to get. And so boot camps kind of fall into that. I'm going to ask the question and I'm going to give both of you the opportunity to opt out of this, but <laughs> I, I would be interested to know, you know, from your programs, cause you're much longer than mine. It's much more intensive. Um, what the programs you're taking right now are costing. Feel free to use a range if you're. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not number. gonna. The big nerd ranch thing I did that was a week long. I my employer paid for it, but I think it was a couple, a few thousand dollars, and but that included like room and board and everything. Because it was camp. like, yeah, basically, yeah. So my boot camp was at the time it was ninety five. Wow. But. That was for, uh, what did you say? It was a uh, full year? Six months. Six months, that's right. Nice. So uh, the one thing I want to caution people on a little bit with this, when it comes especially to boot camps, um, you're seeing it more in higher ed in general. Uh, and, I, and I'm not going to go into this in depth. If you want to know more, you go just Google the phrase ISA. Income sharing agreement. And I don't know. Oh, the Lambda school does this, right? Yeah. And I don't know, Meg or Alicia, do, did either of your programs, uh, are you on it or did they offer it? Does that sound like a thing that is familiar? No. Um, no, they had. Sorry, I just, I forgot how much mine costed. So I just looked <laughs> it up. I actually, I just remembered too when you brought up the money issue. That was another reason why I went with Flatiron over the New York Code and Design Academy because 
they Flatiron had scholarship opportunities and the other one didn't. So mm. I applied for the Facebook breakthrough scholarship. Oh yeah. And I got it. And so Flatiron, since it's self-paced, they like charge monthly for self-paced, but then they cap it. So my cap at half price is nine thousand. So I guess it's eighteen thousand total. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And they had like these sponsored or like loan partners or something, but it wasn't an income share agreement like oh we get X percentage of your first year. Yeah. Okay. Those are such bullshit. <laughs> it's for for what it's worth, I mean, even though like that is that is a lot of money and you are investing in yourself, but I mean, it's a lot of money, but it really sounds like you're getting a lot of, well, I mean, first of all, the skills that you've all mentioned that you've been training in, I mean, those are all very current. So you're getting marketable skills at least. And it sounds like you get a lot of like intense education, but over an extended period of time. So I would think that there's better retention. There's always value when you're paying for something. I mean, it's natural that there's a higher buy-in, higher engagement as a consequence of that. Um, there are, though, like uh, to Meg's point, do your research. There are a lot of different you know, grant programs. Google's got a number of programs they offer. Facebook's got a number of programs they offer um, to help, especially if you're in you know, any kind of group that would be considered like a minority-type group or anything like that or an underserved group. There are a lot of opportunities out there if you do a little bit of research in that area. Um, the the risk is, and this is why like research is key to all of this, and I'll go out on a limb and say, if you're listening to this and you're interested in, and you're researching and you're not sure, you are welcome to send us an email or a message and we'll help you on this and try to help <laughs> sort out whether or not you're getting a good deal because the risk you run is some of these uh programs you know they're they're for profit they are for profit schools um and there's always that chance Meg you mentioned like loan partners that's a scary term that's yeah. frightening like that that's the kind of thing I don't like that phrase uh you have to look out for that ISAs look good on the surface and they can be good I'm not saying avoid an ISA at all costs but you do have to know what you expect to spend and how you expect to, that to impact your income. Um, a lot of universities are uh, starting to test this program in different areas as a means of helping students fund education outside of loans. Uh, it can be good. It can be bad. Uh, you know, when you start talking four plus percent of your income, a loan actually makes more sense in some cases, depending on what kind of uh, interest rates you get. So, all I'm saying is, if that's an option, don't assume it's the best option. Do the math, do your own research on it, and just be aware. The uh, problem is, a lot of people don't have the credit to take out yeah. a loan. And yeah. The, that's their only option. Like Some ISAs are designed because they know, well, some people, these people are 
going into these programs, like a lot of people are going into these programs for career changes. They don't like their job and they're just sick of it. And they somehow got into programming and anybody who's had this magical epiphany of like, oh my God, this is awesome. I need to do this for my rest of my life they're like desperate to do this career switch and boot camps and banks know that people will do whatever they can to get out of a situation. Like if you're, for example, if you're working as a chef, you're working nights and weekends. And if you have a family, you're not seeing your kids on nights and weekends and they're in school during the day. And you're like, I'm making not that great money. I love coding. I could be making a lot more, but I don't have the money to fund it right now. I'll just do this program. Like that's, that's what this is targeted at. And there's so many situations where that's the only option. And yeah. that's how these people stay in business. It's just yeah. messed up. Well, and I mean, the flip side of it is that, uh, it, it can work and it, it, though the the good part about an ISA is that it does incentivize the school or the organization to help you be successful because if you don't get a job they don't get paid true so that is at least one advantage now student loans can be very similar though if you aren't employed you can defer student loan payments so <laughs> that still also applies but there is some incentive there and a lot of it does come down to making sure just doing your due diligence is all a lot of places and people want to hear and see. To be, to be honest, I'd rather have an ISA than a student loan. If, if I had the choice, I, I mean, at least with an ISA, you know, like you, you have, have to have an income. You're seeing for the money. It's just coming right out of your paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> right. it, it can you make sense. You don't have. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like anything, right? It, it makes sense in the right circumstances for the right people. But for the wrong people in the wrong circumstances, it doesn't, even if it sounds like it may. And so that's that's the only thing. Anytime money is involved, and $500 is one thing, $20,000 is another. So that's why I hedge myself a little bit. Time is another part of this, though, because uh, my program is three months. Alicia, you said yours was six months. Meg, you're uh, at 18? Was it 18 months? Yeah. Um. <laughs> Everybody's pacing is different, but you have to be committed during that time frame. It's not like, oh, three months, but I'm going to skate. Uh, I figured out real quick, even through the part of the program that I was comfortable with, I'm like, oh, I, I need to set aside a couple more hours this week. <laughs> like, you have to be, it is boot camp. And I said early on, the reason it's called that is because it's intensive and it's, you know, it's hardcore, and so you have to make sure that you've got that time to commit and the ability to focus on it and, and take time out of your evenings or your weekends or, you know, if you're doing it full-time, you're full-time, whatever the, that case may be. But that can be hard, especially if you are in that cohort that's saying, I'm changing careers. I've got a full-time job as, you know, I'm managing a hotel, but I want to build websites. Well, that's tough because you are going to balance a full-time job with a full-time class, basically, if you're taking something that's quick. Be aware of that, and be aware of the difficulty associated with it. Uh, that's 
that's something that I think a lot of people underestimate with these programs. Mm. Uh, Alicia, you had started, and I love the way you described your program, right? Because you said you started with some HTML and some CSS, and then you started getting into Re- React Redux and stuff like that. It's like, that's that's a huge leap, right? <laughs> <laughs> it It was very hard and I luckily had like additional support outside of the boot camp so I keep mentioning women who code Atlanta because they were like crucial to me <laughs> and they still are um, but I, I happened to uh, work in the same building as someone who was in that network and who was already a software engineer and so during the day like during my lunch breaks, we would meet up and work on homework assignments. Oh, nice. And That's awesome. Yeah. So it, even with that help, the program was still really hard. It was a lot of material. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have to manage, like, once you start working in a group, like, okay, who you have to assign work and then make sure everyone's on the same page and that when it's time to present, like, you have something that's working and presentable. Hmm. So there's so many factors that come into, uh, you know, uh, I guess managing all of the things that come with a boot camp. But I mean, it, it is it is possible. People do it, and they they make it through and come out winning. So I I have to ask a, a side question here, just uh, since you brought up women who code, is that related to uh, what is it, uh, Rushmore? So, I, mean, I, I can never say her last name. Sajani, uh, she's got girls who code. I'm familiar with girls who code. Are those related? Do you know even offhand? Or are those two separate things? I think those are separate organizations. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Both great programs. So, <laughs> Do you, either of you work on, uh, like, do you practice the skills that you've been taking in class, like, on any like fun projects? Like I, I know Meg, you said you had a bunch in your laptop that you showed during an interview. Um, Alicia, do you have any like fun things that you work on or? Yeah. Um, so I, I recently like volunteered to move a site over to Gatsby JS. And so oh, nice. I got to use react and uh, GraphQL. And those are things that, I hadn't touched it in a while since leaving the boot camp, so it, it was nice to like refresh myself in that in that arena. Um, yeah, and then I didn't learn Ruby in my boot camp, but I've been learning it at work. And attending Ruby for Good was like a really great way to to like put things into practice mm-hmm. for a project as well. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Ruby for Good was awesome. Was like... I wasn't going to bring it up unless you brought it up. <laughs> I think that was my first hackathon-type experience. <laughs> and it was really intense, but really fun. Because all my projects have been for my curriculum. So that was neat to work on something that... I just, I like the idea of working on projects that are for social good too. Mm -hmm. And I also built, (laughs) to celebrate my 100th day of code, I built a small Sinatra app to tell you whether or not it was Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) 
for Taco Tuesday. <laughs> Make you just sent me uh, Mike's first website. Make frontendshitagain.party. Yeah, check it out. It's That's pretty oh, great. It's like the 90s threw up in the internet and it all ended up there. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I had to click it while I'm I'm sitting here listening but I'm looking at this website and I went that that is something. This is uh familiar in a way that I don't think it should be familiar. It's uh, funny because I I mean I know it's supposed to be kind of a parody but to be honest like this is pretty much what the sites looked like back then pretty good yeah yeah so outcomes and i'm gonna bore you all and feel free to skip ahead about five minutes if you don't want to be bored i want to read some outcomes from this because this is why i argue that boot camps are worthwhile they're worth the effort the time the frustration and everything that comes with it and and this comes from that side i mentioned earlier course report so take some of these findings with a grain of salt um, I was not thorough in my background checking of the data, so maybe it's self-serving. I don't know, but I'm going to use it anyway because they were the only one who had this data out there that was relatively thorough. Uh, if you go to a, a boot camp, the amount of change in your salary generally comes out to about 50%. The hmm. average person came out of their boot camps making about $70,000 and change. Um, from up from 47,000. So boot camps generally, so if you spend $20,000 on a boot camp, in theory, you make that back in your first year. Hmm. The employment rate, people who uh were employed full-time before boot camp was at 58%, people who were employed full-time after boot camp was 75%. So, you know, you're looking at making yourself more marketable, uh from a, uh, a standpoint of how quickly you get a job, a third of people had a job within a month. 80% of people had a job within four months. Hmm. And it, within, they say, 120 plus days was 85% had uh, accepted a, a new job as a consequence. Like the And uh, also here, let's see, the... I'm just going to read this word for word. The outcome report also finds the average student paid $11,874 in tuition. The typical attendee had six years of work experience, um, has a bachelor's degree, but had never worked as a programmer. So I'll, huh. I will say that, like, that's a caveat. And it's something, actually, I like that point because it's something I've made to so many people that... As somebody, and I've said it in this show, and I say it a lot because I do think it's valuable. I was a theater major. <laughs> I enjoy my podcast because I have a radio background. I've worked at two different radio stations. My background when I was in school, before I was a professional, was not web. And so I tell folks, like, I care if you have a bachelor's degree. I don't care what it's in. I was a chemistry major. <laughs> because it shows right it's it's that the commitment piece of it it's like it shows that you've committed to something for four years and that's important to me but i hired a music major once like i, I don't care if you can show me a that you commit and meg you talked about you showed up i stress portfolios not just for designers but for developers developers can have portfolios and if nothing else you showed up with your laptop and it's like that's beautiful i don't care you showed up and could show your work and if i'm hiring somebody that matters 
Yeah, I will never not bring my laptop to an interview again because <laughs> the way I think about it, you know, I hear I hear just on Slack from all these weird interview questions and stuff. I don't know. I'm going to Google the answer yeah. because that's what I'm going to do when I'm working. I'm going to Google it. So, you know, it's like using the resources you have at hand. And also, by the way, I was a Spanish major. <laughs> nice. We were joking just today at work about that. Uh, that Medium has an article for everything now. <laughs> I was a poli-sci major. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So no mixed bag. <laughs> I, I get it. And I love it, quite frankly, because honestly, people who are doing development, whether it's software engineering, web development, design, I don't care. If you've studied something else, especially anything that is like a humanities related type thing, um, I said I was a theater major. My actual degree is a communications degree with an emphasis in theater. But that piece of the puzzle is so important because it teaches you to work with people and, and talk. I can teach people how to code. That's why boot camps are so great. You can teach <laughs> people how to be a developer, but I can't always teach you how to communicate. Um, you know, different people have different skills in that area, different anxieties in that area that can be hard to overcome. And I respect that, but you have to figure those things out with folks. And sometimes that means, man, the music major may be the one that's the most important out of that group because they're so used to being in front of people. So they know how to write code and they know how to, you know, present that code to people. Mm -hmm. I, I know Alicia has to go in a couple of minutes. Was there anything? Um, did you have any final thoughts or anything or? Uh, sure. I, I <laughs> Do you, wanna, uh, thank you, you, you mentioned uh, women who code a couple times. Did you want to say anything oh, more yeah. about that? Yeah. Okay. Um, I will say that <laughs> they were, they were really supportive throughout my program and afterwards. And I think that uh, to make the experience worthwhile, like getting involved with some sort of community is like essential. So whether it's women who code or even Ruby for good, mm -hmm. some community outside of your you know, bubble of a boot camp is really going to be helpful. I put the link for Women Who Code into the show notes. So awesome! Yeah, it's just it's womenwhocode.com. <laughs> Surprise, <laughs> Meg. How about uh, any advice? Anything that like that you've learned or that you think would be helpful to folks that are thinking about maybe they should take a boot camp? I think first, be absolutely sure that you want to do it. Like I mentioned earlier, I did take a course through Coursera first to kind of test the waters. And I say that because, like you mentioned earlier, Mike, it's, you, it's a commitment. You give up a lot. I didn't realize how much I'd have to cut out of my life to do this like and my mantra has been it'll be worth it in the end and I, <laughs> I just repeat to myself when I'm having hard days like, <laughs> I've given up dating I see my friends once a month if that like it's just 
a total paring back on life. Like you just don't do anything except code and work. Have you have you had an experience where you spent let's say longer than an hour working on trying to figure out why something wouldn't work and then you finally figure it out after grinding against it for a long time? Have you had that yet? <laughs> yeah. Many yeah. times, I'm That's sure. That's so funny. You said longer than an hour. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've had that like longer than four hours before. I, I once uh, worked against a, a Rails error I was having for a little over three hours, and it turns out it was because of TurboLinks. That's why it was breaking. Um, It'll it, be like dumb yeah. stuff. Oh, in one of my recent projects, I was trying to, I was like, why isn't, why isn't this redirecting to my delete page? It's not going to my delete page. Why not? <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, Meg, you don't make a delete page. It's a button. Like there's no page <laughs> that's delete. I'm like, okay, I've been working too long. Like when you start making stupid mistakes. Yeah, you got to step away. Your mind telling you, okay, you're you're frying yourself. Time to take a break. <laughs> but you never make that mistake again, right? <laughs> I'd like to say that. <laughs> after, I don't know, like nine hours of coding. And oh then, my gosh. And then I'm like, <laughs> where am I again? <laughs> Alicia, Meg, thank you so much for taking the time tonight to sit down with us and just share your experiences and, and why you decided to go into a boot camp and what you hope to get out of it. Hopefully, everybody at home, this has helped you understand what boot camps are for and, and why you might want to go do one and uh, what you might want to look for once you're out there trying to hunt one down. Sit tight, kick back. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. This episode of the Drunken UX Podcast is brought to you by something really cool. It's an alternative to .com. It's the .design domain name. I'm a big fan of interesting, unique website names. So if you're a designer and you've thought of the perfect name for your website and it isn't available under .com, check out .design. Chances are the domain name you want is waiting for you. Head to porkbun.com and use the coupon code DRUNKENUX on the checkout page to get a free .design domain name for your website. Face it, there are no good .coms left. Years down the road, we're going to care about cool, nice URLs that are relevant to the website you're going to. And the fact that there's so many TLDs to choose from, you really can get a domain name that's right for you and right for your business. .design is a great one. Visit porkmun.com now and use the coupon code DRUNKENUX at checkout and literally get a year of a .design domain name for free. It's bundled with free email hosting, who is privacy, and SSL certs. That's a lot for nothing. Forget .coms. .design is widely used. There's Airbnb.design, Facebook.design, Uber.design, Adobe.design, and so many more. Google doesn't care. It functions the same way as a .com or .org. It's just more interesting. It's better branding. It looks great on resumes or business cards, and it looks awesome on email addresses. .design reflects what you do as a designer. Did we mention it's free and includes a year of email hosting, who is privacy, and SSL certs, and all of that stuff? Just go to porkbun.com and use coupon code DRUNKENUX at checkout. 
Cool. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for Pork Bun. Meg, you better go register with Pork Bun and get Code Code Companion. Code Panion. Code Panion. Code dot design. design. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Go. You can go register it for free. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening again. And so thanks to Meg and Alicia for joining us this evening. And uh, it was really awesome. It, we pulled this together like literally like two days ago. So this is like. They don't need to know about our production schedule. I know. I'm behind. I get it. (laughs) Folks, if you have enjoyed listening to the Drunken UX podcast, be sure to stop by Twitter or Facebook at slash Drunken UX. Or you can catch us on Instagram at slash Drunken UX podcast. Drop by if you want to chat with us. Uh, Boot camps have Slack. We have Slack. And you can find us real fast and easy. It's just DrunkenUX.com slash Slack. I have fixed it. It works. I guarantee (laughs) it. Uh, If it doesn't work, let me know and I'll fix it again. But it works right now. That's all I know. Uh, if anybody listening has had experiences with their own boot camps and would like to share them with us, positive or negative, I don't care. I would love to hear those stories and, and share them with folks. So be sure to join us on Twitter or whatever and let us know uh, what you've done or what you've studied or, or when, where, what programs you found useful. Otherwise, there's uh, a lot going around right now, and, and I know that we've got a lot coming up. We've, this is episode number 46. We've got about six episodes left in this season before we get ready to start season uh, three at that point. Uh, and I've learned a lot last season. I've learned a lot this season. Um, I hope to learn a lot next season and, and learn a lot from my own boot camp that I'm in right now. Uh, but there's one thing, one piece of advice that I never cease to find useful, and that is... Folks, I hope you keep your personas close and your users closer. Bye-bye. Later. Later.